0: Back in February of this year, we invited you, our wonderful, enthusiastic community, to be part of the Plan Strong Test Kitchen and provide us with feedback around our all new burger mixes. And I got to tell you, the feedback and support that you guys showed us blew us away. And we have been hard at work in the kitchen, and we now have our first program graduates, three delicious skillet burger mixes. We're going to be launching them into the universe so you can stock up ahead of Memorial Day weekend. You can check them out at planstrong.com. The three flavors are black bean, portobello mushroom, and our all-new sweet curry. Once mixed with six to seven ounces of water or broth, the dough may be pan-fried, air-fried, or baked to a crispy, aromatic, rich, golden brown. These mixes, they take the hard work out of making healthy burgers at home and yield quality, quality results. They're whole grain, oil-free, a great source of protein and fiber, and they're made from a combination of ground oats, beans, seeds, and spices without any of the added sugar or excessive salt. I want to thank all of you for being such an important part of the Plant Strong test kitchen and I know that you're going to love these as much as I do. Thanks so much. Support for this episode of Plant Strong is brought to you by NutraMilk, the fastest, easiest, and most economical way to make your own plant-based milk on the planet. You simply throw in your walnuts, almonds, cashews, oats, or whatever milk you're in the mood for, and voila. In addition to making plant-based milks, the Nutra Milk can make nut butters, sauces, dips, veggie stock, spreads, smoothies, you name it. This past weekend, we played around making our own veggie stock using the Nutra Milk, and we were blown away at how easy it was. Veggie stock is the base of much of our cooking, so we were excited to have a fast and convenient way to make our own, eliminating waste and using up all the vegetable scraps. Can't recommend it enough. Visit thenutramilk.com and type in the code PlantStrong to receive a $50 discount
1: and free shipping on your purchase. The ketogenic diet, what it does is it places people artificially into ketosis. So by doing a bizarre thing, which is to eat a non-carbohydrate based diet, which is what humans eat is a carbohydrate based diet. But by having them eat a diet that excludes carbohydrates, you put them into ketosis where they start to burn fat. And when they do that, when the brain shifts over into ketones as opposed to carbohydrate, Guess what happens? They're not very hungry. So the damn ketogenic diet works. So people will lose weight on this bizarre diet, which is actually only meant for a dire emergency situation. And when you're eating your own fat, it's perfectly healthy, but when you're see eating a bunch of fat and protein from animal products, for example, you're just, you're just asking for all kinds of trouble, particularly in the cardiovascular system. So, and just general inflammatory process and everything else. So actually, this is a really stinky, dirty diet that works. There's
0: a saying, in every good lie is an element of the truth. And that's what we're seeing with the paleo and keto diets. There's an element of something good there, but the good we're seeing is super superficial. It's weight loss, but the weight loss derived from these diets comes at a major cost. And that cost is your overall health. Let that sink in for a sec. People on these diets are trading years of a vibrant life for pounds on a scale, not a trade you should be willing to make because you can also lose weight in a better, safer way on a plant-strong diet. In fact, you absolutely will lose weight, but way more importantly is what you'll gain, and that is your health and years of a vibrant life. This episode is part two of the discussion we started last week on these two mega-trend diets, paleo and keto, and this week, we're gonna talk about paleo's big brother that's even more of a bully on your health, keto there's a keto phenomenon what yeah, yeah. so is that that's kind of a oh that's, that's that, even worse well and, and that's kind of a offspring right of paleo and mm-hmm. i'm gonna let you loose. yeah uh-huh. but but I, I had never really heard of the keto diet until like three years ago mm-hmm. it was just paleo paleo yeah. was hard mm-hmm. and it, i mean it was mm-hmm. everywhere right and so it's almost like you know when we when we get tired of paleo right. we're going to we're going to take it to a whole another level. So mm-hmm. what's the difference between paleo and keto from your eyes? Right. Um, why is it worse?
2: Yeah, because um, it's even more extreme. The paleo problem, again, is just the sheer amount of meat in the diet. Um, but uh, do they allow any fruit at all? They may, um, you don't necessarily uh, go into ketosis on a, on a, on a paleo uh, diet. But that is the purpose of the so called ketogenic diet. So, what is this? Um, when we're not, when we stop eating carbohydrates, when we stop eating fruits and vegetables and grains and and beans, uh, after about 48 hours, your body runs through its stored sugar, the glycogen in your liver and and blood sugar out in the blood. Uh, Then the body has to dip into your fat stores and start running on fats. this was fairly routine in ancient times. Uh, you can, a million years ago on the African savannas, you can imagine there would be four or five days before your wandering foraging tribe found the next berry bush with fruit on it. And uh, we would have to go you know four or five days a week uh, just running on our fat stores. And the body shifts into this gear. When, when you start burning fats, these molecules called ketones come into the bloodstream. And initially they have some very beneficial effects. They send a chemical signal to the body to shift into this gear of ketosis and the body becomes very efficient. Uh, It turns off inflammation. It turns off cancer growth. Um, it's, a, it's Hunger a,
0: drive. What about hunger, hunger drive?
2: Uh, goes down, which mm-hmm. is a brilliant mechanism. Ketone, uh, that's what you'd want if you're in that wandering tribe. You don't want to have gnawing mm-hmm. hunger, uh, and it's it's a wonderful state. And I'm a big fan of once a month to go on a on a four or five day water only regimen uh, and slip into ketosis for a few days. It probably is so like by fasting. You, you can you can achieve that same. Yeah, absolutely. State. When you're on a water only fast, uh, you you go into ketosis and to being ketosis. For For four or five days, once a month or so, is is a wonderful thing, and there's clearly proven benefits to that. But you know, we're Americans. If a little is good, more must be better. So uh, you stayed in ketosis five days. I stayed in it for three months, for six months. Well, you want to stay in ketosis all the time? No, you don't. Ketones are acidic molecules. Acetone, beta-hydroxybutyric acid, acetoacetic acid. These are acidic molecules. Well, this is an acid load that your body's got to deal with day after day after day. This is hard on the liver. This is hard on the kidneys. This is hard on the bones. We are not meant to stay in this ketotic acidic state month after month, or certainly week after week. But they you know, they think, oh, stay in it all the time. It's a, it's an emergency state. It's you know uh, it's analogous to. To passing gear on your car. Um, When when you got on the freeway, you have to to pass a truck. You pull out into the passing lane, you hit the gas, and you got this wonderful surge of power, and you pass the truck and you pull in, uh, and then you get back into the regular driving gear. Uh, That's wonderful for passing a truck. But if you're in Los Angeles, you don't want to drive to Seattle in passing gear. You're going to burn out your engine. You do that. And, and ketosis is like in passing gear here. And plus, it's an extremely high-fat diet. Uh, Brenda Davis, the dietitian, did a beautiful presentation on, on the realities of the keto diet. And she saw it's like 90% fat if you really do it. And, and these people all go insulin-resistant. They all... Develop pre-diabetes um, again. They eat so little carbohydrates that it doesn't show. But but the, this is not a healthy state to block your insulin receptors, like it happens with the uh, uh, with this uh, state of uh, severe ketosis from this high fat diet. And again, what it's doing to their arteries, what it's doing to their hormone levels, what it's doing to their cancerous. I don't want to think about because I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the articles keto diet associated with diabetes, associated can, with.
0: Can he talk for a sec? Because. Mm-hmm. I- I know a lot of people are having success losing weight. Yes, you lose weight. but but So, I mean, they're losing weight. How are they losing weight? You know, is it, for is it a couple because of they're reasons. not taking enough calories? Is it because they're losing water? Right, what, yes. What exactly
2: is it? Those, but also... Um, you know the the paleo folks uh, say some you know some things I agree with. They say no caveman ever milked dairy cow, so they're down on dairy products. Yay paleo! But, they're right.
0: But, but keto, I think, is is a fan of high fat dairy products.
2: They are uh, absolutely um, <laughs> okay. But so yay for paleo with right, no dairy, right? They say no caveman ever ground wheat into flour and made donuts and so they're down on baked goods uh, and the keto folks would be down on baked goods and they say, uh, well the paleo, the paleo folks uh, say uh, no oils either, though the uh, keto folks are for oils which are also going to damage their artery walls. Um, but if you eliminate the the, the, um, the baked goods and oils and dairy, you're going to lose weight and that's why the keto folks uh, and the paleo folks do. Uh, and and weight loss alone will improve your cholesterol levels, and it'll, and, and, uh, and even the diabetic folks initially will notice lower blood sugars. But again, it's not a healthy lowering of the blood sugars just because they're not eating any sugar. Well, but
0: they're, not, they're not getting the root causation of what's causing not their insulin the, resistance. Exactly. It's, and it's, they're making themselves terrible. It's kind of like smoke and mirrors. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. It's a physiologic parlor trick. <laughs>
0: <And> <laughs> I love
2: that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> and again, there, there's no free lunch, so to speak. and. Uh, yeah, and The diseases are going to be spawned from this is serious business, and and I, and I they get this initial weight loss and they start feeling better, etc., because they've eliminated some of the crap from their diet. Uh, but then they assume, Well, it must, that's the diet I'm supposed to stay on the rest of my life, and it's a transient phenomenon. We are not meant mm-hmm. to stay in this state week after week after week, and um, there we're going to see the inevitable bad consequences from it,
0: yeah. So it, it, it's funny to me how, so we, we had paleo. Paleo is kind of, it, it seems like it's kind of on the outs. It's mm-hmm. now all about keto. Yeah, right. I have a friend that just went to a huge conference in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. It was called Paleo FX, you know, conference. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people were there. You bet. From medical doctors to trainers, you name mm-hmm. it. And the newest thing, so keto has been three years, right? Yeah. So it's time for a new zombie you know to appear a new Uh, reiterate or iteration mm -hmm. you have you have any idea what it's called no i'm bracing myself no brace (laughs) yourself hold on to your hat oh no it's called the carnivore diet oh man it's called the carnivore diet it's gonna be the next big thing you you just wait and it's a hundred percent meat a hundred
2: percent Oh my
0: this is and these people are talking about how they're getting mal- the most amazing results
2: this is malpractice. this is just disastrous and and if you uh, the the colonoscope makers are going to do very well off of this, uh, the the amount of, of colon cancer and colitis and diverticulitis that are going to be spawned from this, the heart disease, the strokes, uh, this is going to be this is this is nutritional malpractice. And and you can fasten your seat belts and you you can see this disaster coming. This is a Titanic. We it's not who we are. The thought that are I mean I mean, look at all, look at the gorillas. Do you get a bunch of gorillas go out? Oh, let's let's go bag an antelope and, and twenty gorillas. You know, surround an antelope, uh, wring its neck, and tear at its flesh. No, they're, they're vegan animals, and the bonobos and no no simian eats a hundred percent flesh diet. Now this is this is bizarre. There's nothing natural or scientific about it. They just love the taste of steak in their mouth, and, and that's all. That's what this is really all about. And and I hope they've got good malpractice insurance. And my colleagues. Promoting this should be ashamed of themselves, mm-hmm. and they know better, and yeah. they're being seduced and, yeah. and deceived.
0: I'm taking a break from an engine to immersion to pull Dr. Doug Lyle into this conversation on keto and paleo diets. Doug is a brilliant evolutionary psychologist who lectures frequently at our events on such topics as the motivational triad, the pleasure trap, calorie density, and getting along without going along. He's an expert on what he calls esteem dynamics or how our ego gets in the way or is involved in everything that we do in life. And the debate between the various food philosophy tribes has some serious Esteem dynamics and ego at play, but let's first look at the evolutionary side of the argument. Doug, I think I've told you a little bit about this podcast. We're working with Joe Inga, yes, who's this Bronx firefighter, yeah, and uh, and Joe is in trouble. He's, yes, he's trying to reclaim his health that has you know kind of disappeared from him over the last. 10 years, actually 12 years since he's been a firefighter. Mm -hmm. And so we're really doing everything we can to get him onto the whole food plant strong path. Right. And as you can imagine, he's got a lot of uh, detractors. Yeah, sure. Especially at the fire station. Right. Yes. And a lot of these guys, they're eating not only the standard American diet, but, I mean, they're following the paleo or... I guess you call it the newfangled keto program, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I just love to hear from you. Um, now that you know you've been in this field for thirty plus years, yeah, sure. What, what is your take on paleo, keto, and and, and why are these programs uh, dangerous? And what can Joe do to kind of
1: like just go down his own path, right, and right. be okay with it? Well, I mean, obviously, the first thing is that he, he needs to know what direction it is that he needs to be going. So the most important thing that anybody learns probably in health, uh, that your, your number one threat to your health is cardiovascular disease. And obviously, it's actually vascular disease more generally because cerebrovascular disease is just as dangerous. as uh, A deadly stroke is just as deadly as a heart attack. Well, and it's, as we've t- I've talked yes. about it in previous episodes yes. like with my dad. Yes.
0: Number one killer of firefighters. Yes. Right? Heart Interesting. attacks on the job.
1: Sure. There you go. So so we already know what the biggest problem is, uh, the biggest preventable problem is, and we also, also know the solution. So the solution is to be either a whole foods type diet or something very close to it. So... It, any of these paleo, paleo-style diet or a ketogenic diet, these things take us a long ways away from this. And they take us right into a very meat-concentrated, uh, actually meat and fat, uh, highly concentrated uh, diets that are inconsistent with anything that's ever been shown to reverse atherogenesis. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, it isn't that people can't live on these things. They, they can. Uh, you can survive eating, you know, Twinkies and Coca-Cola and peanuts and you will probably live a long time, but you won't live very well. Uh, if you if you have any kind of family history that shows a vulnerability to cardiovascular disease, you may not live that long if you do this wrong. I have people all the time telling me, listen, I'm
0: doing paleo. Yes. My numbers are beautiful. I've lost weight. Um, you know, my, my, Type two diabetes. I'm, uh, my, my blood glucose numbers are good. Mm-hmm. That to me is—it's is, is, kind of confounding
1: that uh, eating primarily meat, they can mm-hmm. get good numbers like that. Um, it shouldn't be. And there, let me explain the paradox. And that is that the reason why they were in, in deep trouble was because they were eating horrendously, and uh, a paleo diet can be an improvement. So, uh, if you think of if you were to grade. Maybe someone who's a conventional eater or even a really lousy conventional eater, we're going to give that person an F. In other words, they have a horrendous diet. Now, they can survive, but by midlife, they start showing evidence of pathologies very often. This is where you get type 2 diabetes, you know, raising its head by age 40. And that's uh, actually in some areas of the world where people have naturally very thick genes is actually occurring even at, by age 10, uh, you can start to see evidence of type 2 diabetes. But in America, we typically we don't see that until somebody's in their 30s or 40s or 50s. The, but that's because they're, they're eating a horrendous diet in order to cause that to happen. Now, if you go to a paleo diet— the, that diet can be an improvement, so it goes up to a D or maybe even a C. In other words, they um, done diligently, there can be a lot of natural food in a paleo diet, along with, however, a super high concentration of, of animal food. So when you do that, the best you're going to get is a C, but that can improve your numbers, mm-hmm. and that can actually make you look healthier. And this is, this is one reason why a lot of paleo advocates can be so convinced of their position, Because they've seen improvements over horrendous. Uh, There's a big difference, though, between getting a C in a class and getting an A in a class. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we are. We're sitting on A level diets here when we're talking about a whole plant foods uh, based diet. And this is where this is the only dietary style that has ever been shown to reverse atherogenesis and probably will be the only one that ever will. And
0: also the only one that I think truly can reverse type 2 diabetes yes your numbers may look good when you when you follow paleo and you but you're not taking in enough carbohydrates right that, that really
1: test your insulin sensitivity. Is that correct? Uh, not necessarily it, it wouldn't shock me to find that someone could, could reverse a type 2 diabetes in other words get out of the diabetic range yeah. uh, they could get healthier in other words you don't you don't know where they came from. They could have been eating and probably were eating trash with both hands. Mm. And so it turns out that they've got more natural resilience uh, than they knew. So all they had to do is get from an F to a C, and by God, their their numbers look, quote, normal. That doesn't mean they're very healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just means that they're healthier than they were. So from your perspective, mm-hmm. why is it that this paleo keto,
0: why does it have so much traction? It's like a... Uh, one
1: of these zombies that just keeps cam- coming back to life in another sure. kind of form. There's several reasons why people it, it can capture people's imagination rather quickly. It has, a, it has a way to grab traction over people that are desperately seeking to lose weight, for example. The one reason is is that when you have normal glycogen stores in you, from eating normal uh, starches that human beings would normally eat. So if you eat bread of any kind, if you eat any kind of uh, carbohydrate, potatoes, rice, beans, corn, oats, any of the major carbohydrates that are eaten worldwide by people, if you were to eat any of that stuff, what's going to happen is is that you're going to store glycogen. Now You're going to store it in your liver, and you're going to store it in your muscles. So you could easily have, for example, a pound of glycogen in you. And you probably do a lot of the time. Now, when you have a pound of glycogen in you, the way that nature works for people is you'll also store an additional two pounds of water for every pound of glycogen. So you're, you're walking around with, like right now, I probably have a pound and a half of glycogen in me just to, because I don't feel very hungry right this minute. So that's probably what I've got. So that corresponds to probably 2,500 calories that are in me in order to be utilized uh, before I would be run out of glycogen, which is kind of like your gas tank running dry. And then your emergency fuel system is fat. Okay, so most of the time you're never burning up any fat of your own body because what you're doing is you're just burning through glycogen. You put gas in the tank, take gas out of the tank, put gas in the tank, gas out of the tank, and that's how it works. Now, on a ketogenic diet, what's going to happen is is that you're going to take the carbohydrates out of the diet. So guess what? The first thing you're going to burn is your glycogen, because you, that is the preferred fuel for humans, is to, to burn that fuel. So your, uh, your brain knows that this is how you're supposed to do things. So you will burn through your glycogen stores. And when you do so, you will now uh, dump two pounds of water in addition to that pound of glycogen, for example. So now you step on the scale after three days on a ketogenic diet, and you're down three pounds, Well, you can imagine how exciting this is for people. So let's go the other direction. Let's suppose that you've been on a ketogenic diet for three weeks. And let's suppose you're down, you know, seven or eight pounds from where you started. So you're pretty happy with the situation, except your breath is bad. You're constipated. You know, you feel a little ill all the time. But hey, you're, you're doing your dutiful thing that you think is a smart thing to do. And then you, you sort of choke in the clutch and you eat some spaghetti at a friend of yours house. <laughs> Okay, so you go ahead and do this, and you're craving it because you're designed, designed by nature to crave these natural carbohydrates. So you now eat yourself a plateful of spaghetti, and you wake up the next day, and you're three pounds heavier. Right. And that's because you now have some glycogen in you, and you've absorbed some water to support that glycogen. And now you think to yourself, oh, my God, it's just like the keto geniuses say, carbohydrates make me fat. Well they don't make you fat you haven't gained any fat at all in the same way you didn't lose any fat those first few days on the keto diet but your weight dropped and so because people are using the scale as the as the method for tracking they are very confused and seduced by a ketogenic diet so that's one reason why the ketogenic diets will always have tremendous popularity it, it's kind of like a credit card mm-hmm. it, like it makes you feel rich mm-hmm. uh, when in fact it's <laughs> just digging yourself into debt yeah. 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 So that's one reason.
0: Yep. Okay. What's another?
1: Well, another reason is is that when people uh, people are not designed to be in long term uh, ketosis. So uh, when we were in long term ketosis, we were in an emergency situation. So it's going to turn out that. A fairly uh, a widespread adaptation in the animal kingdom is to to go through a a set of adaptations in what we call water-only fasting. So when you when you have no food at all, you what will happen is after the first twenty-four hours or so, you will burn through your glycogen stores, just like I was talking about, and then the gas tank is empty, and now you're in an emergency situation, uh, and what's happening now is you will start to burn fat. So if we take all of the, the, glu- the glucose out of you, now you will start to burn fat stores. Now, something else happens. Uh, very often when animals, including humans and protohumans, humans uh, the reason why they didn't have any food is that they were either very sick or they were badly injured. So it's very interesting that those are two characteristic features that will lead to water fasting. A third would be starvation. But it's going to turn out that that's not going to be as common as being sick or being injured. And so it will turn out that when people are water fasting, when, when they don't have any food, what will happen is, is that they, they surprisingly become not very hungry. This, we believe, is a, is a deep, brilliant evolutionary solution to the problem of being badly injured or ill. So basically, you need to get yourself to a place where you're not too far from a water supply, but you're hidden or you're protected. And then it will turn out that nature will not cause you to be very hungry while you are eating your own fat stores. So this is well known. uh, In other words, I've operated, I haven't operated, but I've been involved with True North Health Center for 35 years where we are the preeminent research facility in the world for long-term water fasting. So we will routinely fast people up to 40 days. Mm -hmm. And what you'll find is that after two or three days on water fasting, very few people are hungry. So you're very hungry the first 24 hours as you enter the fasting state. After you kick over into ketosis, Mm -hmm. you are surprisingly not very hungry and sometimes not at all. So this is a, uh, it's an evolutionary trick that helped our ancestors make really good decisions when they were ill. Don't go out there, or, or sick, don't go out there and walk on a bad injury trying to find food when what you need to do is stay protected to make sure that you're not, don't get bumped off by a predator. You don't want to have anything see you limping. And when you're very ill, you don't want to be uh, out there in the wild moving slow and clearly compromised. You want to be as safe as possible. So a behavioral adaptation that evolved was to get still okay, and get comfortable enough and not be ravaged by a hunger drive that you would think would be escalating the longer that you fast, but in fact does not work that way. And this is well-known in the animal kingdom. It's well-known, farmers will tell you, when an animal is sick, they don't want to eat. And then once they resume eating, you know that they're well, okay? So the ketogenic diet, what it does is it places people artificially into ketosis. So by, by... doing a bizarre thing, which is to eat a non-carbohydrate-based diet, which is what humans eat is a carbohydrate-based diet. But by having them eat a diet that excludes carbohydrates, you put them into ketosis, where they start to burn fat, and when they do that, when the brain shifts over into ketones as opposed to carbohydrate, guess what happens? They're not very hungry. So the damn ketogenic diet works. So people will lose weight on this bizarre diet, which is actually only meant for a dire emergency situation. And when you're eating your own fat, it's perfectly healthy. But when you're see, eating a bunch of fat and protein from animal products, for example, you're just, you're just asking for all kinds of trouble, particularly in the cardiovascular system. So, and just general inflammatory process and everything else. So actually, this is a really stinky, dirty diet that works. Yes. So, and I've heard you say numerous times, it's just, it's a dirty fuel. Yes. It's a dirty fuel source. It absolutely is a dirty fuel source. Any physiologist or physician uh, could tell you this that's done any studying at all. So certainly it's well known that uh, this high protein diets are very tough on the body. This is very tough on the kidneys. Uh, This is not this is not a place to go just in general mm-hmm. there's a a lot of housekeeping that needs to take place the the bloodstream winds up moving itself over into an acidic range which is difficult and requires compromise so there's not to mention that it's generally highly inflammatory so this is uh, this is why when people move to a healthier diet that excludes or vastly reduces animal foods they wind up with a better uh, essentially a benign situation with respect to their blood with respect to the the pH balance in their blood and they will very often wind up with a significant nan- anti-inflammatory effect, which can make them much more comfortable with a variety of pathological conditions, from ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, all kinds of things. So that, that same inflammatory process, by the way, is involved in what's going on in the cardiovascular system that is so damn dangerous. Mm-hmm. So this is the work that your dad has done. Essentially, your dad put people on a spectacular anti-inflammatory diet that enabled everything to calm down and for people to get healthy. For Joe or anyone else that has any kind of cardiovascular risk, which is actually most people, uh, it is foolhardy to actually continue to eat a standard American diet, and it's probably worse to eat a paleo diet Uh, depends on what that paleo diet looks like Mm -hmm. so if you were to eat a true paleo diet that was 80 percent of it was from unprocessed plant food and there was a modest amount of animal food hey you might be in pretty good shape but that's not what this has turned into what this has turned into is good news about your bad habits the problem is is that people are attracted to really rich foods it isn't just people it's all animals so all animals love the, the higher calorie density the food is, the better they like it. And animal food is very rich in calories. And so as a result, uh, this that's why people did go to the trouble of hunting animal food. That is why they sought out in Paleolithic times. They did what they could do to get that animal food, but it wasn't the it wasn't the basis of their diet. It was uh, an important addition for a creature that was struggling to get enough calories to survive. So we now can tell. You can't solve the problem of what people should be eating by what you believe that they ate in the past. This is what's called an appeal to nature fallacy. This is actually a fallacy in philosophy and it's a fallacy in science.
0: Sedona is possibly the most beautiful place in the continental US and in my opinion, there's no better backdrop for personal transformation and reflection than those red rocks and glorious sunsets. I invite you to join the Engine 2 team this fall from September 30th to October 4th for a five-day retreat focused on helping you launch a successful path into living your biggest, brightest, most beautiful life. We'll reinforce the right daily habits and build a strong foundation that you can continue at home. We'll do before and after weight, blood pressure, and blood work so you can see with your own eyes how powerful plants are on your inner biochemistry in as little as five days. We've taken thousands of people on this voyage and it never gets old. Witnessing the transformation and the confidence people find when they empower themselves and take back their health, nothing better. Visit engine2.com and click on events for more details and to join us. So would you consider this another another reason right now? Because we talked about yes th- the first thing was how basically no water
1: yes right in other words you've the, no. this, you have rapid weight loss Ra- rapid weight loss that's right, correct right because you're not yes. doing
0: the carbohydrates that's right the second one is basically it fools our hunger mechanism yes so we're actually like wow you know I'm I'm, I'm losing weight I'm feeling good and uh, I don't have all these hunger pains yes right. And so would this be considered another
1: one? Yes, this or? would be good. I forgot where I was going earlier, yeah. but this is where we're headed. And that is, this is an appeal to nature fallacy. So a lot of uh, bright people ha- have look at human beings and they say, well, we didn't arrive here yesterday. And we didn't arrive here 500 years ago. You know, this this creature has been around for a long time. And if we're having health problems that look systematic, in other words, We're having some problem that comes up more than other problems. Um, Diabetes, for example. Diabetes, type 2 diabetes, is something that is arriving in midlife, for goodness sakes. Why would that be true? And so that that doesn't make sense. That looks like the organism has a relationship between itself and its environment that isn't natural. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we wanna do is maybe go learn, try to figure out what we know about human prehistory and see if we do things the way they did things in prehistory, whether this kind of a problem would go away. So it's not an unreasonable thing to be thinking about, to be looking at human prehistory to try to see uh, clues for what might be a a better decision with respect to to diet and lifestyle issues. Now, I can think of several things that make a lot of sense. For example people are pretty sedentary today. They're more sedentary than they were 10,000 years ago, and they would have been in better physical condition 10,000 years ago because of that. Uh, They're probably not sleeping as much because we've got the electric light bulb here in the last 100 years. So that's probably another thing that's fairly significant. Uh, Now, we also have a lot of drugs, alcohol, caffeine, all kinds of other things like this that you didn't have 10,000 years ago. And if we remove those from the diet, we're probably in from, from human behavior, we're also gonna see improvements. So the question is though, and a big one, but it's not the only exclusive question. A big question is, what about diet, okay? What did the ancient human diet look like and how does it differ from the diet that we eat today? Well, there are several mistakes that get made here. And one huge mistake that's made by the paleo people is to assume that there's been no human evolution in the last 10,000 years. Now it turns out there's been quite substantial human evolution in the last ten thousand years, so the so your our digestive systems are have not been constant. Uh, many great many things about humans are different than they were ten thousand years ago. So that's actually one thing that we begin on the table. Second of all, it's going to turn out that there is already considerable evidence that human beings were eating large amounts of carbohydrate-based foods over the last five hundred thousand years. So all that takes us, by the way, Rip, way back before humans, before modern humans. So the modern human that we know, that you and I know. How far back is that? Mm, it would be pretty, pretty brutish but you would recognize it and you could talk to it 200,000 years ago. But it would be a pretty tough human. I <laughs> mean, not very friendly, okay? Human beings have evolved considerably in the last 200,000 years. The Paleolithic diet is really an echo of Paleolithic times. Paleolithic period goes back 2 million years, long before modern humans. So what we, we're we not really interested in what, what proto-humans were doing 400,000 years ago. It's not very important and it's not very interesting to our dietary considerations what would be more interesting would be the last hundred thousand years okay well the last hundred thousand years we see considerable evidence of of uh, people in africa's digging up large amounts of tubers and using those as a as a staple, in other words, a high-carbohydrate diet. Is that when our brains really started to grow and flourish? Uh, no, our, our really? brains have been have been growing for a long time. Okay. So our brains were about the same size. They've actually been shrinking a little bit in the last 100,000 <laughs> <laughs> years. But there's a different reason for that, okay. and that's because we've actually become nicer. Wild animals had bigger brains because there's certain rage centers or uh, – Uh, essentially intensification of emotion for a wild animal. Those get reduced as animals become domesticated, and human beings essentially domesticated themselves through trade, through agriculture, et cetera. And so human beings have become a nicer species in the last 100,000 years, and with it, the brain size is slightly smaller. No, we uh, proto-humans Ate a, a you know probably a predominantly plant food diet for the last million years, but it was supplemented by hunting without any doubt. The question is, just because they did, is there anything there that you need? And the answer is absolutely not. Uh, human beings uh, can use that additional fuel if they need it. They went to considerable risk and effort to get that fuel okay? But it's not a necessary fuel at all for humans. The original chassis of the original proto-humans were definitely heavily vegetarian. We know this because our closest cousins in the animal kingdom are, are essentially vegetarians.
0: And who's that? Who's our closest cousin?
1: Chimpanzees and, and gorillas. Mm-hmm. So the chimpanzee diet is about 97% plant food. They will eat an occasional tiny amount of animal food. The uh, They... Uh, but, but their pattern of eating and what it is that they eat is actually quite different than humans. So you couldn't survive on a chimpanzee food diet. They eat things that you can't eat, and we eat things that they can't eat. So uh, creatures specialize. Human beings have definitely specialized towards the starches. We can tell this by a large amount of genes that code for the enzyme amylase that breaks down starch that make your saliva Okay, that that is a checkmate on any hardcore paleo thinker that there is. There's no way that that can happen if you don't have a human being that isn't being getting a huge evolutionary advantage for using the starches. So you are mostly a starch based eating creature, which means, by the way, folks, it doesn't mean white stuff in your closet that you add to Baking No, starch. By starch, we mean the starch molecule, which is the fundamental basis of the sugars that run your life. Those come from rice, beans, corn, potatoes, wheat, oats, those kinds of things. Those things, you are built to eat those things. And when you eat those things, if you have significant pathologies, particularly in the cardiovascular arena, you will reverse those pathologies. That will never happen on a paleo diet because it can't.
0: For people that don't know. Yes. What are the the, the the macronutrients that are in meat, and what is it missing out on? You mentioned it just a second ago, but just yeah. for people that aren't I mean, sure.
1: What meat is, is it's just basically fat and protein. So it's missing out on carbohydrate, and it's missing out on fiber, and it's missing out on all of the, uh, the antioxidants that would be consistent with, with what it is that would be ideal for human biological functioning. So it's a horrendously stripped down, isolated food. And uh, I believe that our ancestors did quite well if they were eating a huge amount of unprocessed, organically grown plant food along with their meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, if if I was talking to a a Paleolithic scholar, we would talk that through and there would be interesting discussions about what evidence indicated how much animal food do we think a given peoples ate. Uh, that Those estimates, I've seen those estimates. Uh, it's highly speculative. Most scholars think it's maybe around 25% of calories from animal food. There have been a few scholars that have believed that it might have been as much as 50%. Uh, but I think that that's wild guessing, and it's also looking at a wide range of people all over the globe at different habitats. Probably a not a bad guess might be 25, mm-hmm. but that means 75% of your food is coming from unprocessed plant food, folks, and, uh, and the animal food we, wasn't adding anything other than calories for survival. It wasn't adding anything positive to the diet. It was simply making sure that people didn't starve to death.
0: What what do you say to people that say that there's, I mean, these paleo people, these mm-hmm. keto people, they don't think cholesterol is a bad thing, that you can eat extemporaneous source of cholesterol and red meat, eggs, and whatnot. I mean, what would you say to that, to the saturated fat, right? They don't believe saturated fat's bad.
1: Well, I I would say this, and that is that, that the, the human body is amazingly resilient. And so it's kind of like uh, eating these kinds of foods, eating animal foods uh, in any quantity at all, and eating processed, stripped-down, denatured plant food as well, junk food. These kinds of things, um, this is like putting little dents in your car door okay? It, it's just ding, 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 ding. It's kind of like also not changing your oil very often in your car. So you can get away with it. You can go 5,000 miles, 6,000 miles without changing your oil. However, the, you're not going to see evidence of the trouble right away. You got to wait till you go 70 or 80,000 miles. Then we start winding up with a big bill, and that's what happens when people wind up flat on their back in a hospital at 64 because they've got serious trouble and they got three stents in their heart. Okay, so this is—the the, the, reason—so my long answer is the reason they, they aren't worried about it is because the effects are not immediate and they are not graphic. They are long-term, they are subtle, and they can put up with a tremendous amount of abuse— so people can can do this, they can abuse themselves, and it can look like everything's fine. But the truth is everything is not fine. That's why we have science to give us a, a, a microscope into your microbiology so that we can actually see what's happening inside you that you can't see with the naked eye. That's why we have great research institutions and fine scientists that that, that uh, look at these things very, very carefully. That's why we have a, a Dr. Esselstyn. That's why we have a Dr. Campbell. That's why we have a Dr. Barnard. That's why we have these people that can see for us what you can't see with the naked eye. And unfortunately, there will be fad diets and the gimmicks that will trick people into thinking that they have skinned the cat and that they've found some shortcut around the laws of nature. It's not going to happen and unfortunately, uh, people will ultimately pay prices that they wish that they hadn't paid.
0: In many ways, we've just scratched the surface when it comes to the pitfalls of the paleo and keto diets. As Dr. Doug Lyle points out, it's kind of like a credit card. It makes you feel rich when what you're really doing is digging yourself into debt. And as Dr. Clapper reveals, it's really nothing more than a physiological parlor trick. And of course, we haven't even begun to talk about how these diets disrespect the animals and trash the planet. I think you can rest assured, we'll be revisiting the ills of paleo and keto in future episodes of Plant Strong, I want to thank my co creator of the podcast, Scott Badisill and 10% Media, Lori Kordowich, producer extraordinaire and the Engine 2 director of events, Bumble Media for this podcast production, and Brandon Curtis for everything in between. Thanks to Whole Foods Market for believing in me and giving me a platform for the last 10 years. Special thanks to Joe Inga, our Bronx firefighter, for your courage to not only change your life, but also allowing us to share your story along the way. And lastly, I want to thank my father and mother, Dr. Cobbleby Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Cryle Esselstyn, as well as all the Plant Strong pioneers who have been pushing this boulder uphill for more than three decades. As they say, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. And remember, if you're digging the show, please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, let me say peace, engine 2. Keep it plant strong. I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in person Plan stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres, is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiber Fueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing, we're having live music, it's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplanstrong.com and then click on PlanStock2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there.